will be, go ahead and open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We'll be using that verse here in a second as a springboard, but while you're turning there, um, I, I need your help. Um, I have some door hangers and DVDs that we'll be using uh, for my mission trip in North Carolina and Texas uh, that we use for materials that we, that we hand out, and we put little labels on them. Um, and we, in the past, put the church's contact information, things like that. We're going to try something new this year. And uh, we're going to put, if you have questions about this material, email questions at house2house.com. Uh, just to try to, instead of associating with any church, we're going to try to see if maybe that opens more doors, uh, you know, as far as opportunities and things like that. But anyways, um, I'm going to leave that material uh, downstairs in those chairs right by the, the door. Most of y'all go out. Um, if you could help me label some of that, um, I'd be greatly appreciated. I have the labels ready. I have the materials ready. Um, all you're going to do is just stick stick them on there. Um, there's a place on the on the door hangers on the back that says contact us, and you'll just put them there in that little white uh, space under contact us. And then uh, on the DVDs, you'll just put them on the back in the bottom left corner. Uh, you'll you'll cover up some stuff, but it's not relevant. Uh, to the DVD itself. Uh, but if you can label those and bring those back on Wednesday, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, I have a whole lot of materials I have to label, uh, so I'm trying to get some help uh, with with this. So if you can label those and bring them back Wednesday, it would be greatly appreciated because uh, Saturday I'm meeting uh, with Rob and we're counting and distributing and packing and all that fun stuff on Saturday. So uh, if you could... Help me get that done. I would greatly appreciate it. If you got any questions, you can see me after the service. I want to ask you a question. What do you live for? What do you live for? You know, there's a lot of different answers that people might give to that question. What do you live for? Some people, you can just very easily see it. They live to work. You know, they wake up every morning and they go to work and they work till the wee hours of the night. They come home, sleep, and then they go back to work again. And they live to work. They love their job. They love their profession. And they spend a lot of time doing what they love, and that is to work. Some people live to fish. I mean, there is people that absolutely love to fish. You know, every Saturday, every Sunday, they're going to be on the lake. They're going to be fishing. They're going to be fishing every tournament that they possibly can get to because they love it. They love to fish. They live for that. Some people love sports. You know, I mean, it's, it's something that they are infatuated with. You know, they they every they love taking their kids to sporting events. They love coaching their kids. I mean you just go to the ball game ball fields any weekend, what do you see? You see a bunch of people sitting right there doing what? Coaching, playing, enjoying sports. You go to the you just turn on the TV, you watch the Super Bowl, what do you see? You see a ton of people that what? Are in fanatics about sports because that is what they love, and some in, in a survey that I once saw, it mentioned sports. People said the reason that I live is to find happiness in my life. Some people said that I live for my family. Some people say I live for food. Some people said this very selfishly: I live for myself. I think that's uh, the underlining key to anything is people live for themselves and want to please themselves, so they do that. But out of this survey that I saw, there was about a hundred responses, and people just typed it in freely, it wasn't like a poll. One person said they live for God. 
One person said they live for God. Look at, a, look at Colossians 3 and verse number 4. It says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I want us to focus in on that phrase there, when Christ, who is our life. What happens when Christ becomes our life? What happens when we live for Christ? What happens when we say, you know what, no matter what the situation, no matter the circumstance, I'm always going to put Christ, I'm always going to put God, I'm always going to put His kingdom above everything else in this life. And because of that, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do. I want to give us four things to consider this morning when we look at that question, what will I do if I live for Christ? Number one, I will study about Him. I will study about Him. You think about why we have the Bible. Why is it that we have the Bible? This book, the Bible, is how God revealed Himself to mankind. It is His revelation to us today so that we can get to know Him. It's all about salvation. The Old Testament pointing to Christ. Jesus is coming. The old, the New Testament being Christ is here and He died for our sins that we can have that. And if we look to the Bible, what will we do? We'll be living for Him. We'll be studying about Him. We'll know how He handled sin, how He handled temptation, how He handled all these different aspects. But we got to study. we got to know the book. we got to know what He did, how He handled it, and all these things. I want to give us three things to consider about studying God's Word. Number one, there is a command. To study. It is a command in the Bible to study God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, it says the simple phrase, study or give thyself all diligence to God's Word. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a wordman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing or rightly handling the Word of truth. We see a simple command, study. Study God's Word. Go over to 2 Peter. The book of 2 Peter I truly is a, believe is a book about Christian growth. Because really, you're going to notice these two verses on your handout. You look at 2 Peter chapter 1, 5 through 7, and many times we, we, we identify these, this section of scripture as the Christian graces. Okay? And, and what is this all about? It's about growing as a Christian. It's about go, knowing more about God. You look at 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. But for this very reason, give all diligence. Give all your attention. If I'm going to live for Christ, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give myself diligence to. I'm going to give myself wholly to Him. And notice this one after this. Give all diligence. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. Now, how does faith come? Romans 10 verse 17 tells us. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how are we going to grow in our faith? By studying God's Word. It is a simple command. That we are to do. So we got to add to our faith. Our faith comes by hearing and listening and studying God's word. And then he goes on to say, add your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and knowledge temperance. Notice there, he, he doesn't just close with add to your faith. He continues and says what? Add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge. How are you going to gain knowledge? Knowledge does not happen by osmosis. Okay? It's not simply you can simply something you can sleep on and I abracadabra, boom, it happens, right? How are we going to how are we going to grow in our in our faith by growing in our knowledge, growing in our knowledge of God's word? And he continues on there, talking about that. So so Peter opens up this book talking about adding to our faith, growing in our knowledge. But what's the very last verse of this book? 
Look, look at the last verse. But grow in the grace and in what? The knowledge. Grow in the grace, but also grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to Him. Glory both now and forever. So we understand, yeah, this is a thing we have to do. This is something I must do, and we have to grow as a Christian. It's commanded. We have to grow in our knowledge. We have to grow in Scripture. All right, so number two, let's notice the conclusion of study. Why is it that I need to study? What If I study, what is going to come from it? What's the conclusion? You know, many times people say, hey, instead of me reading this whole book, give me the conclusion. T- tell me what I need to know. Why do I need to study? Why, why am I commanded to study? What's going to come from studying God's Word? Go, go with me to 1 Peter chapter uh, 2. Uh, this is Peter's first epistle that he wrote. Chapter 2 and verse 2. Why do I need to need to study? Number 1, because you will grow as we've already pointed out from the Scriptures. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As nor- newborn babes desire the sincere pure milk of the Word. Why? That you may grow thereby. What's the conclusion? What's the end result of studying God's Word? You're going to grow. You will grow and grow and grow. Just like that newborn baby, you're not going to be able to eat a steak. You're not going to be able to eat those things. That baby's not going to be able to do that. We start out with the pure milk of the Word, the truth. We start out with those fundamental lessons. And then what happens? We grow and develop as a Christian. But we have to study to be able to do that. Number two, the reason we study is to protect. We protect ourselves from sin. Psalms 119, verse 11, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Why is it that I study God's word? So that I can fight off temptation. What did Jesus do when he resisted the devil? He quoted scripture, right? He had that that word of God hidden in his heart very closely. So when sin came his way, when temptation came his way, what did he do? He used that scripture to defend and fight off and protect his soul from the devil. And that's the same way we do it. We study God's word so we can know about protecting our sins. Thirdly, the reason we study is to God. To God. You know, the Bible, I think I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago is the basic instructions before leaving the earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible. It is basic. It is our instructions, right? If you if you buy something from the store and you have to put it together, it requires assembly. We love those things, right? What do we do? We have to go through the instructions, right? Why? To be able to know how to navigate and put that thing together. This is life. This is our instruction book, the Bible. It tells us how to navigate our way through life. Many times people say this is our GPS. You know, uh, GPS stands for global global positioning system, and that's I, I need my GPS to get to where I need to go. I remember when I was growing up, you had to buy a separate device and put it in your car for your GPS. Now everybody has a GPS, right? It's right on your phone, right? But this is God's GPS. It is His God's plan of salvation, and that's what guides us. That's what instructs us. And that's what tells us how to be saved. Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16. There it says all scripture is breathed by God and is given for what? Instructions. It is our instructions to guide us on what we need to do to be saved and to stay saved as a child 
of God. So we see, number one, we're commanded to study. Number two, we see the conclusion of study. But number three, I want us to notice the compassion of study. The compassion. Why is it that I should want to study God's Word? Because I want to know Him better. Because I want to know Him better. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm just bored in my Bible study. I want to tell you a story that I heard. I don't know if this is true or just a preacher story. But there was a couple that had met and they started going on dates. And they went on a couple dates and it was Friday night and they said, hey, let's go to dinner. So they decided, let's go to this uh, little Italian place on the corner. So they meet up there. Uh, they're getting to know each other, one another. So they're, they're asking questions about what they do as a, as a career and all this stuff. Well, the, the lady asked the man, said, um, tell me something about you that nobody else really knows. So the man thought for a second. And he was you know, debating on what to say. It's always that awkward question. He said, well, I'll tell you this. He said, I wrote a book one time. She said, really? You're an author? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like writing. I enjoy putting my thoughts on paper. And I, I just wrote this book, and I knew it was going to be a bestseller. I, you know, my publisher even thought it was going to be a New York's bestseller. It was going to hit the top ten. It was going to be this great hit. and But never hit the, the, the things like I hoped it to. And she said, uh, he said, actually, I wrote that book under a different name. I didn't put my, my, my personal name on this. I put it under a penman's name because... You know, I just wanted to be able to live life and all this stuff. And so I put it under this name. She goes, what's the name of that book? And he told her the name of it. And she said, that's interesting. That, that's neat. You know, that's very that, that's very unique to yourself. I'm sure not a lot of people know it. Yeah, just only a few people. And so they left that night. She went back to her home and she remembered the name of that book. Oh, she remembered how dreadful of a read it was. How terrible of a book that was. She said, that was a terrible book. She went home that night, went up into her attic because she kept all the books that she ever read and she started going through her attic. She was getting the dust off and she found that book. And there it was with that title and there it was with his penman's name. And she looked on the back cover and said, yeah, that's him. And she went downstairs to her recliner, sat in it, and she read that whole book that night. And man, it was just a page turn, one page right after another. She loved that book. Now, I want to ask you this question. What changed? She already read that book twice. She hated it the first time, loved it the second time. It was her relationship with the author. See, she had a she had a relationship that second time she read it. She had feelings for the author, and guess what? She loved it because of her relationship toward the author. Once we fall in love with Jesus, we will fall in love with His Word, and we will want to study. And when we truly fall in love with the Lord and have a relationship with Him, we will want to study and grow. In that we will have compassion. Number one, if we're going to live for Christ, we got to, number one, study about Him. Study His life. Number two, we will submit to Him. We will study about Him so we'll know how to submit. How, how that we will understand that we need to submit to Him. Christianity is a life of submission. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And, and if you look through 1 Peter chapter 2, you're going to see one word over and over and over again throughout this whole chapter. And it is submit. Now he's talking about different classes, different different things of as far, well, I mean classes, I mean like different sects of people and how that they all need to submit. But but just go through this section of scripture, beginning really uh, in verse number thirteen through the rest of the chapter. He, he talks about submitting. Verse chapter two of First Peter, verse thirteen. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinances of man for the Lord's sake, where there is King supreme to govern those who are sent him to punish. 
The evildoers for praise of those who do good. You know, many times we talk about Romans chapter 13, how that we need to be a law-abiding citizen, how that we need to submit to the rules and those things. But 1 Peter chapter 2 teaches those same things. We need to submit to the laws, to those ordinances of man, as long as they are submitting themselves to the will of God uh, and not abiding in other things. Verse number 18. He says, servants, be submissive to your master with all fear. The application for that today is we need to submit ourselves to our bosses. We need to submit ourselves to do good, not only to the good and gentle bosses, those that those that are easy to work for, but also those who are harsh. Uh, you go down to verse number, uh, or he goes into chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, likewise submit to your own husband, that uh, even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of, of their wives. Um, you can see there uh, the example of Sarah obeyed God. Um, and so we see here in First Peter chapter 2, also going into chapter 3, a life of submission. Christianity is a life of submission. You know, I asked the question at the beginning of the lesson, what do you live for? And one person said, I live for myself. What are they submitting to? Their own selves. But Christianity is a life of submitting and doing God's will over my will in my life. There's a quote that I have written in one of my Bibles. And it says this. Many people want Christ to be their Savior. But few want them to be their Lord. Now I want you to think about that. Is Christ our Savior? Absolutely. Is Christ our Lord? Absolutely. But what is the difference? Many want Christ to be their Savior. But few want to be their Lord. Everybody wants the benefits of Jesus, right? Everybody wants the benefits of going to heaven through Jesus. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants to go to heaven. And they understand that Jesus died so that they can go to heaven. Everybody wants those benefits. But you know what few people want to do? Few people want to submit and live for Christ and do what Christ said to be able to be able to go to heaven. You know, you can look at Luke chapter 6, verse number 46. It says, what? Many say, call me Lord, Lord, but do not the things that I say. Look at Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. People will call him Lord, but you know what the problem is? They're not doing it the scriptural way. They're not doing it exactly the way the Bible says do. We understand that life is a life of submission. Christianity is a life of submission. To sum it up, you could put it like this. If you love me, keep my commandments. Why? Because we are to submit to the will of God. So we got to study about Him, number one. Number two, we got to submit to Him. And that is be obedient to what we study. And number three is a life of suffering. A life of suffering. I have here in your handout... We do not understand suffering like those early Christians did. I mean, you look at Acts chapter 7, the first Christian martyr, right? Do we understand that? Now, there might be a point in our lives that we see that again. I hate to say that. And there's other places in the world that that, that, that is going on. But what do we have to understand? We might suffer. We've been looking at First Peter a lot today because these are... All themes really throughout the book of 1 Peter. But you look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, 
Arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for he has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin. Now, there's a lot to unpack from this verse. Number one, Christ suffered. And if Christ suffered, I'm not above Christ. I'm not better than Christ. Guess what I am? I'm below Christ. And if Christ suffered in the flesh, I'm going to have to suffer in the flesh. Is what that first part means. Number two, you need to arm yourself in the same mind. You need to be prepared. You need to gird up your loins of your mind so that you can be able to prepare yourself for suffering. But notice this, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You know, you know if you're going through a hard time as far as uh, maybe uh, being persecuted because of your faith, if you are uh, maybe being ridiculed for your faith, you know what you're doing? You're probably doing it right. And that means you have ceased. You have made an escape from sin. You haven't been able to escape those things in your life. But look at verse number 16. This is a verse we probably know. It says, yet if anyone suffers as a, what? Christian. Let him glorify, let him not be ashamed, but rather glorify God in this matter. You know, as a Christian, what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to suffer. We are going to have to suffer. But what if you haven't been persecuted? Maybe you haven't been ridiculed for your faith. Maybe, why is that? We see here that if any man suffers, let him suffer as a Christian. But maybe you're thinking, I haven't suffered. Maybe we've learned to compromise. Maybe we've learned to dodge suffering. Maybe we've learned to dodge persecution. Maybe you've learned to go along instead of being different like the Bible tells us here in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, For we have spent enough of our pastime doing the will of Gentiles. You know what these people were doing? They were doing their own will. They weren't living for Christ like we're talking about this morning. When we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness, railways, drinking parties and abominable idolatries, and guarded these things, they think it's strange. Hold on, what is the world supposed to look at as a Christian? Hey, that guy's different. That, that person's different. Sister so-and-so is different. Why? Because they don't do those things. We should stand out, number one, by the things that we do. Matthew 5, 13-16. But also we should stand out because of the things we don't do. And that's what we see here in this passage. Submit to Him. And guess what? There might be suffering involved. But maybe we've learned to go alone to get alone. If we're, not a true, if we're going to be a true disciple of Christ, we're going to have to suffer persecution. And lastly this morning... We understand we got to strive to live with Him. You go back to our text in, in Colossians 3 and verse number 4. And we, and we look at that point of why am I living for Christ? He says, when Christ who is our life appears, what does He say then? Then also you will appear with Him in glory. Why is it that I'm going to study about Him? Why is it that I'm going to, to submit to Him? Why is it that I'm willing to suffer for Him? So that I can strive to live with Him. You know, one, one, common, one common theme throughout the book of 1 Peter, and all of these can be seen in the book of 1 Peter pretty much. This one, not so much. But one thing you're going to see is suffering now. One, the thing we just got talking about is suffering now. But you know what we're going to be able to do if we suffer? Live with Him in glory where there is no suffering. Suffer now, glory Later, And that's a, a thing there. But I'm striving to live with Him in this life. You're going to do whatever within your power to do, whatever it takes to get to heaven. I've told this story before about the lone survivor. 
where he reaches out and he draws that line in the sand. He's left for dead. His legs are broken. He's, he, you know, he's just suffering. But he's going to live. Why? Because he's determined. He's just striving to get his body across that line he drew. And he gets his body across that line as he drags it in the sand and he draws another line. Why? Because he's striving. He's doing whatever it takes. Why is it that a sprinter is successful? Because he's got his eyes fixed on Jesus. He's got his eyes fixed on the prize because he is striving to do whatever it takes. When you set your expectations high, you will be able to do them in these things. You know, we must endure to the end to be saved. Matthew 10, 22. And also Jesus taught that in Revelation 2 and verse 10. But what are you doing to strive? How, how can I strive to live the Christian life? Study, submit, and suffer. If you do those three things, guess what? You will strive to live with Him. But if you're not doing those three things, are you really striving to live with Him? Or are you just being like the world? And setting those things quite aside. The question is this morning, what is the Lord to you in your life? What is the idol in your life that keeps you back from being keeping Him at the center of your life. You might, you might be thinking, I don't have any idols. You look at the Old Testament, and you look at these things, and you, you see these people worshiping graven images, right? And those many times are called idols. And that was their gods to them. But what about us in our lives? What's the idol in your way that's keeping you from keeping Him at the center of your, your life? You know, the question that we're considering is, what do you live for? You know, many people have that idol of sports. Many people have that idol of fishing. Many people have that idol of self-centeredness. Tear down those idols. Burn them. And turn and submit yourself to God. If you're not studying about Him, submitting to Him, suffering for Him, you're not striving to live with Him. And He is not the center of your life. If you want to sum up this lesson this morning, Matthew 6 and verse number 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Well, how do I do that? How do I do those things? By studying, by submitting, by suffering, and by, by striving to live with Him. Are you doing that this morning? Maybe you're here this morning you're not a Christian. You, you can't start your walk with Christ if you're not a Christian. And the Bible simply tells us how, you, how to become a Christian. You go through the book of Acts, you're going to see one way, the way to become a Christian. Is by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, by confessing of your the name of Jesus, by repenting of your sins and being immersed in the water grave of baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And that is the point in which you begin your walk with Christ. That's the point in which you, you start to study about Him. That's the point in which you strive to live with Him. But maybe you're here this morning and you haven't done that. You can confess your faults one to another and He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Make Christ your life. If he's not at the center of your life this morning, make that correction. We can help you anyway. Come now together and stand and as we sing.